Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Bear Necessities Podcast. We made it. Week one, as we're talking right now, the Bucks and the Cowboys are gearing up to uh, play in the first game of the season, a little Thursday night football action. Um, I, I know there's been a lot of, you know, I've been in the office for work and there's been a lot of talk about it. I don't know how it is on campus for you, but, you know, how's your week been? How excited are you for this NFL season to finally kick off? Well, as some of our return listeners know, I'm I'm sitting up at USC right now, Los Angeles, California. Uh, we are a huge football school, so there's definitely a lot of hype around this uh, NFL season starting. We just had our uh, our first um, college football game on Saturday, which we kicked the living shit out of the other team. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty pretty enjoyable. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm personally super excited. I think the the Cowboys Buccaneers game is going to be really fun. Dak Prescott is on my fantasy team, so looking forward to uh, to playing him. And uh, yeah, I I I think the Bucks are going to just smash the Cowboys. That's just my professional opinion here. Um, yeah, but uh, wow. yeah, looking forward to the season, man. Sunday is going to be so exciting. I, I'm I have nothing planned that day. It is completely open, just football. Yeah. No, I think personally I'm doing a little bit of fishing before that noon kickoff. And then after that, I, Ooh, I'm okay. pretty well strapped in. <laughs> um, nice. As far as, Sounds like a good Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Trying to make the most of it. And there's so much to be excited for. I'm with you. I, on paper, you know, there's not too much that would make you think that the Cowboys should be able to beat the Buccaneers. I, in my head, the only thing that's going to slow them down is like some kind of Super Bowl hangover. Which, you know, then again, it's Tom Brady. I feel like he comes in every season. Sometimes he seems like he's got a little bit of Super Bowl hangover, but I feel like he comes in most seasons ready to go. And, man, that Bucks team is just like last year. So many weapons. I don't even know where you quite start with that team. And each week, the thing is, is it could beat you with three different kind of players. You know, it could be Fournette, um, Brate, and Godwin one week, and then it's Evans, uh, Jones it's just you can be all over the place with that team and that's just scratching the surface and that defense is still incredible a uh, great group of linebackers there and then for Sunday yeah finally get into that Bears kickoff a full plate of football that we have to watch beforehand in my head I know out there in California you're probably pretty psyched you don't have to wake up at 10 to watch them play um, <laughs> I'm probably pretty happy about it being a primetime kick but I don't know. I'm excited for that first noon kick, which will be the, the following week against the the Bengals. But, yeah, definitely excited for Sunday Night Football. And any any initial thoughts? I mean, we're definitely going to get into some news first and then break into the break into the rest of the game breakdown and all those other kind of headlines. But just first thoughts, you know, how are you feeling going into week one? Because um, it's definitely going to set the tone for the podcast, I feel like. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, just, just basically excitement. Um you know, I've mentioned on previous podcasts how I feel about this year and what I think it's going to be. But, uh, uh, I, you know, it, it's one of those things you never know until you're there. And, uh, I, you know, things can change so quickly week to week. Uh, basically, just, just waiting to see kickoff. Yeah. And for the Bears, it's, it's been a pretty incredible, incredible offseason um, from kind of the complete highs of drafting, ja- uh, drafting, <laughs> drafting Justin Fields, um, kind of the lows of kind of when I felt like we weren't going to get Russell Wilson, uh, which just feels so long ago that we were talking about the Bears possibly getting uh, Russell Wilson and then them picking up Andy Dalton, the infuriation, and then kind of all those feelings brought back in a big mix during training camp and preseason. 
which kind of brings us to where we are today. So some quick news. Um, Rodney Adams signed to the Bears practice squad. Overall, pretty you know positive feeling for me on that. I think he was someone that could have made the roster, honestly. So to be able to retain him and keep him at least within Hallis Hall is going to be going to be good and I could see them definitely getting some use out of him during the season yeah uh, Adams I was super big on during the preseason uh, also felt like he was a roster lock I don't know how JP Holtz made it in over him but uh, to get him back on the practice squad nobody signed him off waivers uh, that was that was pretty dope uh, I, I hope at some point maybe he finds his way onto the roster uh, I know we made a couple uh, veteran signings and and uh, some guys that we feel like also are guaranteed special team contributors but i am uh, i am looking forward to adams somehow maneuvering his way off the practice squad and and landing himself an official nfl contract on the bears yeah actually speaking of jp holtz i'm kind of glad that you brought that up heard a, a quick little tidbit from a friend that really made keeping jb jp holtz uh it made a lot more sense to me it doesn't mean i, I agree with it completely but he's technically kind of like the fullback in situations where they need him. Right. So I guess that, you know, it's not just completely a wasted spot on five tight ends. I mean, I could still definitely argue that, right, someone like Rodney Adams could have certainly kept a roster spot and added on another receiver. Or, you know, it seemed like cornerback when we only had four after initial cuts. Like, we certainly could have used more there. Um, but I guess when you put it in context that he's technically kind of doing two jobs along with doing special teams – you know, there's layers to it, but it still doesn't sound perfect. But yeah, I'm with you, Rodney Adams. Uh, overall positive thing. Glad we can keep him in the building. Kendall Vildor wins the the second cornerback position, um, and Duke Shelley is likely starting nickel. Uh, Austin and I were, were very high on Kendall Vildor when they picked him up in 2020 in the draft. Uh, and I, I thought I saw a lot of great things from Kendall Vildor in the regular season last year. He kind of had to step up and play outside um, for a stretch of time, but also saw a, a good amount of play in that nickel position as well. And overall, I like the way that he read the ball. I forgot which game it was, but he really clearly had a sh- should have had a pick like right over the middle. Um, you know, at cornerback two, though, I'm not quite sure that he's ready to step up to that plate quite yet I, I like the intangibles that he has but it's a lot of responsibility for someone like him to be taken up yeah I mean this was the problem with releasing Fuller obviously this is a little bit old news but uh there was no great backup plan uh it was sort of like we had the the kicker battle uh yeah, two years ago with uh Eddie Pinheiro <laughs> um and can't can't believe you know, last week I heard that name for the first time and I was like yeah and, and, for the first time again I was like completely forgot about that man <laughs> man when Cairo Santos came in and he he broke records in like one year I, I think I told you if I'm not mistaken he holds the the accuracy uh, record for for a Chicago Bear he he kicked the highest field goal percentage in uh, in our entire history which I I think is pretty amazing but back to uh, Vildor. <laughs> You know, they. I think the the Bears um, management pretty much wanted to turn turn guys loose and say, "Hey, man, you know, behind uh, um, Johnson, you guys got to you guys got to play it out and see see who wins." And and he has a little, you know, Vildor's got a little bit of experience under his his belt. Uh, I I I don't know how to be nice about this. I don't feel great. I think that that's going to be our biggest weakness. I think the cornerback room, uh, or you know downfield we're going to get attacked a lot i'm i'm praying and hoping that eddie jackson 
and, and maybe even Dion Bush can can kind of save us and sort of make sure that we don't get just decimated downfield. And, and who knows, maybe Eddie Jackson will have another Pro Bowl type year uh, where he'll he'll punish quarterbacks for for thinking that they can they can pick on our our quarterback room. Yeah, and you know some extra safety help from Eddie Jackson would, would certainly go a long way. But you know we were even talking a little bit before this podcast about kind of the age of the Bears, which I think you could definitely kind of wrap that up and sum it up better than than I could. But it seems like like this team, and I've talked about it a good bit, is in such an awkward spot. And they they cut that move, they cut Fuller and that move, and they get considerably younger in the cornerback room. I mean, Fuller was not extremely old by any means, but he had a lot of experience in the league. What um, was a veteran presence of that position. And it just makes you think like, I think they're almost kind of trimming the fat in some of the wrong areas. And then we look at yeah. something like our offensive line where we have some of the oldest players on the team there. And we also have the least amount of confidence in them. So it's just like some of the temporary band-aids we've put in for this team, it would be such better served if we had, younger players to service in there that could potentially build a chemistry because someone like Jason Peters, and we'll get into him more later on the podcast is here one year max, you know, that if he builds chemistry with this offensive line, it's going to be great for this year. Yeah. I, I think, I think that there's sort of an interesting, uh, uh, statistic I, I found out. I might've mentioned this on the last podcast, but generally speaking teams that are older, uh, their average age, you know, when they're when they're on the older end, they're kind of in a win now mode. They fill teams with veterans. You see this in other sports too. The uh, NBA does it all the time. But teams that are in win now modes, the Bucks, the the Forty Niners, Seahawks, Titans, the Bills, Chiefs, they're gonna they're gonna generally have older teams, older average age players. Um, and developmental teams, say the Jets, who are the youngest team on average with an average age of 20, 25 years old, the Lions, Panthers, Jaguars, they're going to have younger players. They're going to have lots of prospects and, and they're going to generally shed the veteran contracts because they're expensive. The Bears, right? So, some people think they're still in this win now mode, which I think those people are a little delusional. <laughs> uh, but but I not not for no reason. I mean, the Bears are sending out mixed messages, right? Yeah. Where where we draft a rookie quarterback, we signed Andy Dalton, who's clearly not a Super Bowl contending quarterback. Um, but you know, and then we trim we trim off uh, Kyle Fuller's contract. We, you know, we're continuing to to make moves that look like we're sort of going into this rebuild. But then, but then signing Peters and and I just feel like the sentiment of this team feels like they themselves are are saying we are still a win now mode team. We're not we're not rebuilding. We're we're just we're retooling, right? That's like always yeah. the that's like the the go-to word. We're retooling. Well, here's the truth. The Bears are the oldest team in the NFL. On on average, our our average age player age is 27 years old. That ranks 32nd in the NFL. We are the oldest team. Um again, teams that we're surrounded with in terms of old age are like the Bucks the Cardinals, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Titans, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Saints. Those are the clo- those are our closest in in terms of age. The identity of this team is so hard to figure out. Um I I think we're completely in a rebuild mode and that this year is going to go 500 as we talked about the first podcast I was here, but uh th- 
given our veteran age, it's not hard to see why some fans are still they still hold it in their hearts that this could be our year. So it's it's just confusing. I'm not sure management totally knows, or at least this offseason knew what they were going to be. And I think they kind of piecemealed it. And 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 maybe they feel like we're ready to contend right now. But I, I don't know, man. It's it's a little bit it's a little bit of a mess. Yeah, and this team seems good for an 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight season. I mean, that seems like probably where they'll end up. And you, you beg a good question of where does inner management, upper management feel this team should be at? You know, I, I'm just really curious. I'd love to get to sit down and what is Ryan Pace? You know, what is the president? You know, how are the owners, the houses feeling like this season should pan out because – Right. Logically, it's just some pieces don't fit and they're in this period of the offense is retooling at the very least, rebuilding Um, a lot of new pieces in there. It's kind of a second life for Matt Nagy after the whole Trubisky era. And then this defense is basically prime aged, if not a little bit past it, and is going to be playing very good football. We would think so. But you know, is offense going to be able to put up enough out there to to really capitalize on that? And it just seems like there's probably going to be too much time before this offense, this whole team figures out who they are until the season's passed them by a little bit. And I don't know. It, I guess it's frustrating in a way because you feel like you should be better prepared for this. But in some ways, I guess these are kind of the cars that they've dealt themselves for the past two to three years. And this is kind of what you get after you went through a certain win now period where the Bears were going for it from 2018. Ever since they got Khalil Mack, you know, they really tried to gear up and make a go at it. Started making some of the best signings that this team has ever made. And now you're on the bad part of it, where some of these players are maybe falling off a little bit and contracts are still pretty high. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's just it's just interesting. I think um this even not to jump ahead too much, but we were going to talk a little bit about Allen Robinson as as we had debated last. We can, we can talk about that now. Well, that's fine because it's not really yeah, a huge think, part of the about the game analysis. I think that this ties in pretty well to uh, to to what we were we were thinking about discussing. Which last week we had we had sort of debated. I believe Allen Robinson is a top five wide receiver. I think he's actually a lock at the number four spot in terms of you feel receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Confident. I think he's the fourth best receiver in the NFL. Um, despite my hosts disagreement, uh, I, I think lower, his talent like three spots. That's it. Mm, wrong, but it's all right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think his talent's undeniable. And, and here's, here's the sad reality that we're, we are faced with. Allen Robinson did not resign with us. Um, we, we got him on the franchise tag. He signed, he signed that, that one year contract, but all signs are pointing towards Allen Robinson departing from the Chicago bears this coming off season. Um, unless we offer him a deal, he cannot refuse, which the bears seem very unwilling to do. There is a very strong likelihood that this is Allen Robinson's last year playing on the Chicago bears. With that said, there is an argument to be made that he should be traded um, this season. And what the conditions for that are are a a big debate. Um, Whether we are in a losing season or whether at some point we just recognize that we are a rebuilding team. Um, 
his contract is hefty. And there are a number of developmental players we could bring in for that kind of money. Um, you know, I, I would just go out and say right off the bat that re-signing him should be priority number one if there is any way we can sign him. I think he's deserving of one of the top maybe three contracts in the NFL uh, or uh, receiving contracts, not quarterback. That would be crazy. But um, <laughs> but I, I believe he's, he's, he's deserving of that money if we're unwilling it to offer it to him. I think that also speaks to where we're at right now in terms of a franchise. I mean, if we can't lock down our most talented offensive player – you know, I, I don't know. Uh, th- this also just makes me think Khalil Mack. When we're talking about our average age and where we're at, Khalil Mack is, is 30 years old, guys. He's 30, and he's he's be- begun to show signs of injury. He is the most expensive contract we have right now. Um, this win-now window is closing, if if not completely closed. I think it's pretty much closed. We already shedded Kyle Fuller's contract. Should we? this season look to to shed uh alan robinson and maybe even khalil mack are are we at the point where we we should start to look for you know items to build around justin fields because we can't have we can't have it both ways right um you can only you can only spend so much money on so many players if we're gonna keep the defensive you know stalwarts that we got with khalil mack and akeem hicks are we going to have enough money and resources to put weapons around Justin Fields when he eventually takes takes the quarterback one position? And and even more so, if we just straight up lose Allen Robinson for nothing this offseason, is that something we're willing to risk watching Allen Robinson walk away for, for free? Yeah. I mean, that's the, the multi-million dollar question at this point. I, I think that there's, and I think it's a little surprising possibly to you, like the way that I look at this. Cause I, I think that Allen Robinson is someone that maybe you should look to keep even on a higher contract because he's 28 years old and receivers aren't unlike Khalil Mack situation outside linebacker. It's a very rugged physical position. It's, it's a position that wears you down receivers. They can go a, a long while um, without having huge contact. Now, sometimes you're someone like Julian Edelman, you're going to get laid out multiple times a game because you're playing that slot receiver position. Danny Amendola is taking a lot of huge hits. Wes Walker basically got locked out of the, the or you know, pushed out of the league because of all the injuries that he took. Uh, very physical position there. But someone like Allen Robinson isn't taking massive hits all the time. You know, he's going to have a little bit longer of a shelf life in the league. I mean, look at some of these wide receivers that have been doing it for a really long time. Larry Fitzgerald's the first one that ultimately jumps off the page. Even someone like Randy Moss was well into his career when he had his fabulous career season with the Patriots and Tom Brady. So I, mm-hmm. I think that Allen Robinson is someone that maybe he, in my mind, isn't top five right now, but is someone that could have around like that bubble top five receiving season for many years to come. So I really do see the argument of locking him down because he's someone that I think can realistically be a weapon for Justin Fields, you know, for multiple years, not just one or a couple. I'd say at least three or four when Justin Fields is actually playing quarterback. With that being said, though, if the Bears are going to let him possibly walk for free, if this goes into the offseason, there's no resolution and a better team gives him a better deal it's going to be a huge pain to have an asset like Allen Robinson walk for free. 
which basically my argument right now is the having the cake and eating it too, <laughs> you know? Right. But yep. that, it basically it says that a decision needs to be made. And I'm not exactly sure what the trigger should be. I don't know if a winning or losing season, you know, if this team is 5-0 and compared to them being 0-5, should that really make a difference as to what you do with Allen Robinson? Because comparatively, the quarterback that we want him to be playing with isn't really quite out there yet. So you never quite know. We haven't even seen what that potential can look like. So you're looking at that from one side of it, but you're also trying to do the aim of, well, maybe we could go out there, draft a receiver that could potentially become as good of a receiver as Allen Robinson or sign a receiver to maybe a less than or somewhat equivalent contract to what Allen Robinson would get that potentially is of that quality. But do you let that walk out of the room? It's such a tough position for him. And ultimately, they should really have their minds made up now at zero and zero. And that should be the path that they take. Because I don't think what Dalton does out there with Allen Robinson should really make too much of a difference. If the connection doesn't work out and it's not there, and let's say Robinson has a completely fluke season and catches 60 balls for 750 yards, which I highly doubt will happen, I don't. that doesn't make me think that Allen Robinson's quite lost his touch. I mean, it, there's just so many variables at play for this Bears team. Yeah, I mean, I, I this is my again my non-professional opinion here. I I don't think it matters what the Bears want. I think that this decision completely rests on what uh, Allen Robinson wants. And 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 again, just a speculative guess here. He understands how good he is. He knows he's somewhere in the top 5. He probably thinks he's number 1, but he at least he at least knows he's deserving to be paid like a top 5 receiver. I think the Bears, they're going to be unable to just decide at 0-0, here's what we're going to do, because it's its not really up to them. They've offered him contracts, and he's hes rejected them. Now, they can make higher offers and better offers, but basically what, what I, it looks like Allen Robinson wants is he wants to be paid well, but he also wants to be on a winning team. He wants to compete for championships. He's been playing for completely shitty teams that have just underperformed for years. I mean, his entire career has been held down and suppressed by by bad management, bad quarterback play. And he's looking to play for a team that will will take him to the playoffs consistently and give him a chance to shine. Um, I think if we were to go out there and somehow pull off a 6-0 and start, I think that there's a really good chance he would be agreeable to re-signing given we offer him the correct amount. Uh, I think that should be priority number one, regardless of whether or not we're in a rebuild, because offensive weapons are at a premium. Uh, the The league is turning more into a you know a passers league. We we as much as it hurts to say, I would I would give away someone like Khalil Mack to pay for Allen Robinson. Uh, I I want to keep my I hope Mack retires as a as a bear, but. Uh, you know, you you have to make tough decisions, and cutting Kyle Fuller was a tough decision. Uh, at some point, potentially trading Khalil Mack might be a tough decision. If if we come out to an zero and five start, I would be shopping. I would be shopping Allen Robinson, like right away. I, you know, he's not going to resign. He's not going to sign to a team. You could offer him a million, you know, dollars a day. I don't think he'd resign to a team. <laughs> Going, going. You know, he's 28 years old. He's gonna be 29 next year. I don't think he wants 
to play on a team that's losing. So there is a little bit of kind of touch and go. You got to sort of see how we we this year starts off. But I think that there's the management should really be considering imploding if we come out and we just turn into a total bust. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's gonna be tough. Well, yeah, and I I think that you know there should be strong consideration for it because there's really not so too much that should be holding us back from that point. I mean, I hate to subscribe to the thought of, well, if you're not going to win the Super Bowl, then you should, you know, tank for the number one pick. I don't think this Bears team should tank, but at the same time, there's a very, there's a big discrepancy in this team right now. And, And you brought it up with the age and everything ties back to that ultimately where, this is a team that should be in win now mode, is presented to be in win now win now mode, and is showing themselves and confusing some fans that this should be a win now team. But we really have to temper our expectations because nothing has shown us that that's going to be the case. You know, you think about the teams that really are contending for it this year, and you stack the Bears up against them, and it's pretty clear to tell that at least as of right now, from what we've seen, there's nothing to prove that the Bears would be able to really go out there in a playoff environment and beat that team when it counts. And it, I mean, and just think, think. sorry to cut yeah, you off, good. just think about, because I can't get this out of my head, if Allen Robinson walks away, the potential trade value we give up. I, I mean, what what do you think we could get for Allen Robinson? I'd say like... Imagine a winning team, a, a team that's one one player, one you know key playmaker away from from a Super Bowl. What do you think they'd be willing to give up? I think a lot like always fluctuates with draft class. Like if this was a receiver heavy draft yeah. class and honestly I don't know too much about what's coming out again this I follow college football but I'm not a super huge, you know, draft prospect guy. I'm I'm no Mel Kiper or anything. I would say that he could potentially get a first, but if it was a really strong like receiving class, then maybe that goes down to a second. And I know that might, that's a, that's a good point. That might seem crazy to fans because, you know, someone like Hopkins got traded for a second round pick, you know, but I, I do think that the, the view of Allen Robinson around the league is probably leans more towards where you're at, where he's a top five receiver. If, you know, if not very close to it and, you know, in, in years where, it's short in free agency for quality receivers, and it's short in the draft class. Someone like Allen Robinson can really pull a premium. Um, so he's going to come with a good a price tag that you certainly wouldn't want to miss out on and just let him walk away. I, I can feel pretty certain of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think he's basically guaranteed to get, you know, a first-round pick back unless it's, like, the number one or two pick. Uh, and if not, uh, you know, a couple seconds. Um I just it, it's it's weird to think about before the season starts. Like, hey, should we trade Allen Robinson and consider Khalil Mack maybe you know this year or the next? But these are these are things that 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 the the Ryan Pace and and the McCaskey family they're going to have to be like questioning these things. They're going to be talking about these uh, if they're smart, if they have any level of intelligence at all. I think that these are this is the business that they're in. Uh, this is this is the NFL and. You can't, you can't be pulled by your heartstrings. You know, you gotta, you gotta make business like moves. And Justin Fields is the face of the franchise. Everyone else is disposable at this point. Um, they are, or not disposable, but they're, they're, they should be looked at as, as trade value. 
because we're building around Fields. Uh, the reason I don't even want Fields to start is because he's so precious. He's such a an unbelievable asset to this team. Uh, until the offensive line is fixed, I don't even think he should be on the field. I think that that, that he's could be just years, too valuable that, to this team. That could be many years. No, <laughs> the, I, I'm gonna say this: they better fix that effing offensive line this off season, <laughs> or I'm gonna burn Hallis all to the ground. I mean, get ready it. to get mad. They, <laughs> yeah, I will be so mad. They better fix it. They, that's all I got to say. They better fix it. They better be making trades. I don't even care who we give up. Fix the offensive line. Protect our quarterback at all costs. But but anyway, sticking with what I'm saying, yeah, I think a first-round pick, could you imagine the 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 benefit we could get from from a first-round pick instead of just watching Allen Robinson walk away? I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough, but they got to consider it. Yeah. And I think we've made our, our point on that. So we can get into a little bit brighter of news. Um, mm-hmm. Players that could potentially break out this season, I think avoiding the obvious of Justin Fields if he sees some real playtime, that, that seems like a pretty obvious one. But I, I know players that stand out to me are players like Travis Gibson, uh, potentially Cole Komet, and then Darnell Mooney. Can he take another step up this coming year? And then, you know, uh, some people might say Roquan Smith. I'd say that he's already full and fully broken out. I don't think there's too much breaking out he has to do from the position where he is at currently. But there's a couple people I'm eyeing. I think mainly Travis Gibson is one of mine. I think both of mine actually come from the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I would go with Alec Ogletree and, and Travis Gibson. And I, I think both of those come from the players that they could potentially replace. Um, Robert Quinn being that for Travis Gibson, I mean – Come on, I, I think this story basically writes itself. Uh, with Robert Quinn being so unproductive, that need for another edge rusher, edge rusher, and Travis Gibson really kind of showing that he has that potential to take that next step up and be a good complement to Cleo Mack. I, I think that he has differing skills that are a good pairing. It doesn't. It's not two of the exact same. Um, and, and offense are going to have a tough time scheming for both of them. And I, I just don't feel that confident about Robert Quinn and, and saying that offenses would have to do the same. And Alec Ogletree, I think we really talked about that last week, Zach, talking about the opportunity he has, um, you know, replacing Danny Trevathan while he's on short-term IR. Uh, a pairing with Roquan Smith where he can really just focus on his own play. He doesn't have to worry about doing the job of two middle linebackers. He just needs to focus on his job. And from what we've seen on preseason, I, I think that he can really step up and really ride that momentum that he has been having from all of training camp into a really positive start. I think there's a couple other people that will come to mind, but I don't know who's popping out to you, Zach. Who do you feel like fans should be looking out for to really take a big step up this year? Bilal Nichols. Okay. I like uh, that. I think he, he gets a little under underappreciated. I mean, just recognizing Ryan Pace's amazing track record for late round picks. Yep. He's a former fifth round pick. Uh, with Eddie Jet or Eddie Goldman, rather, um, there's news about him being potentially injured again. Potentially, yep. That's bad that's, news. You know, bad news. Very concerning. Uh, you know, last year, uh, Bilal Nichols saw kind of an increased role um, after Goldman opted out due to COVID protocols and and so on and so forth. So, uh, Nichols had had a career high five sacks last season. Um, and and I just thought that he he really showed that he was a capable starter 
and somebody that uh, fully proved himself to to earn you know a new contract at some point, uh, and and especially with Akeem Hicks sort of aid, you know becoming an older player and and somebody whose contract starts to become kind of a, a heavy bag to carry, I think Nichols. Uh, could could end up being kind of a future player for the Bears, somebody that we we really look to retain, and and I could see him also having kind of a breakout year uh, this season. Yeah, I think Bilal Nichols is is a really good pick, and I would say even more so if Eddie Goldman can stay healthy, having Bilal Nichols opposite on the defensive line of Akeem Hicks. I mean, that's really back Ooh. in his natural position where he can really excel, mm-hmm. which is amazing that he got his career high in sex playing defensive tackle most of the time or the nose most of the time, which is a which is a position you really not looking to really knock the quarterback down, just get some pressure right. in his face and, and block the run. And it was the blocking the run that, that Blau Nichols could have gotten a bit more effective at. But it seems like even if he has to step in back into that position again this season, that he can do well there. But I think he can really fly up and have a great season learning what he learned and just becoming better as a player um, back in that defensive end position. And it's just really hard not to get excited about the front seven for this team. It's by far the most consistent and strongest part of this team. And I think that, and along with having three actual running backs on the roster and a fairly good receiving core are really three really bright standouts. And, I would love to say that I'm looking for Vildor to have a breakout season. He has the potential to, right? He's getting all the chance in the world to do it. So he's someone to keep an eye on. I mean, if he steps in that cornerback two position and excels, that is going to be a great pairing that the Bears will have for years to come. Um, Also, keep your eye out. Definitely someone that's a veteran has been in the league for a while. Um, To Sean Gibson, I could see him potentially taking a little bit of a step up. Eddie Jackson can really return to form this year. I know there's been a lot of hopes that in Desai's system, which was similar to Fangio's, that Eddie Jackson Eddie Jackson thrived in, that he could really take a big step up. I think on the defensive side of the ball, um, keep looking for some people to take steps forward. And, and you know, we'll see. And maybe on the offensive line, we should try to get excited, see what we can get excited about. Um, you know, Cody Whitehair, possibly if he could become someone that becomes not just a serviceable good guard, but kind of steps up more into the elite category, that'd be something to be phenomenal for this Bears team. Um, but we'll see. He, he might be dragged down by the rest of the, the tackle play around him. Um, but yeah, to me, I think it's mostly defensive players that jump out at me. Um, I, I think Darnell Mooney has solidified himself as an NFL receiver. Um, if he comes out and asserts himself, this year, it improves that he could be uh, either that first wide receiver, which he's not going to take it from Allen Robinson, but even like a first wide receiver equivalent on another team to just a really solid, dependable second wide receiver. I think that would be a, a huge step up for him. So I know a lot of people probably want to hear more Mooney talk, but I think he's shown that he can be good and he has potential this year to show that he could be great. Yeah, Darnell Mooney, I think everybody that's watched the Bears last year knows it's almost not even a conversation. Like, yes, Mooney could, should, probably will have somewhat of a breakout year. You know, he kind of pushed himself up the depth chart um, and and earned that number two spot midway through the year. But uh, now starting off as that number two option, especially as a deep threat, I, he, he uh, he's almost guaranteed going to have considerably a breakout year. Just his, his numbers are going to kick the shit out of last year's. 
Um, but just returning back to the cornerback position, uh, I think Vildor obviously can also have you know prove that he's he's capable of of starting and being you know a, a number two type cornerback. But but with that, I, I think Jalen Johnson is looking to have a massive step yeah. up. I mean he's he he's going to fill the shoes of Kyle Fuller. Oh, way better. Yeah. He didn't he didn't have a pick last year. I mean, think about how well we all thought he played, and he didn't come away with one interception. He had he had these these great pass breakups. Um, he had a game winning uh, pass breakup, I think, against the Lions. Yeah, I believe so. In, yeah, that's where he really made in, an impression. That might have been week one, wasn't it? I believe that? it was. was that our that, first that's why people yeah, got really he came excited. Out hot. Yeah. Right, right. So he he proved that he's a, a capable defender, but we haven't really seen the hands come out. And I think a couple picks this year will really solidify uh, his status as uh, as uh, CB one. I mean, I'd love to see um, a pick six from him. Like, oh, let's let's see it. You know, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, and let's see the speed. Let's get the legs involved too. Right? Yeah, and, and not that, <laughs> not that uh, I, I'm a, a Jalen Johnson hater. I'm actually I really like the way he plays. But you're right. There's a lot to be said about the great pass breakups that he made, but the great ones find a way to make that pick happen. You know, yep. the, the pass breakups can still win you a game. The interceptions can change a game. So oh, that's a, well said. If he can, if he can become more of a game changing player instead of just someone that you can consistently rely on, that would be huge. And Kendall Vildor, he could also show us that he's completely not ready <laughs> for that cornerback two position. Right? It, this yeah. could end up in incomplete failure. And boomer bust. Yeah, the Bears could be forced to look elsewhere, um, and maybe that's a move they make at the deadline. I doubt it. If it's something that doesn't work out, I'm sure it's something that's going to be addressed in the next offseason personally, um, just because where the Bears are at. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that you know someone like Roquan Smith speaks for himself, and a hundred percent that guy. You you said it right. Roquan Smith doesn't need to break out. If yeah. Roquan Smith plays like he's played the last three years, barring injury, uh, he's he's like a Hall of Famer. You know what I yeah, mean? Like I, I ten really years from now, we'll be. Yeah, I I really I agree there. I can't agree more. I, I think that in a different era, Roquan Smith would be held at a much higher regard than he is currently. But hey, that that's the the NFL that we're that we're living in right now, and probably the moment everyone's been waiting for is we can finally take the last part of the show and we still got a lot to walk through with this. So we're not, we're not, we're far from over at this point, but getting into the Rams game week one, we're all super excited for it. I think expectations are, are pretty tempered. I, I think most bears fans realize that this could definitely end up in a loss. I, I think there are chances, chances for an upset. Um, one thing immediately to kind of get out of the way piece of news, Sean McVay was doing preparing for both quarterbacks, said it would be foolish for him to not prepare for Justin Fields. Just kind of want to get an immediate reaction off of that. I I, <laughs> I, I think it he could have gotten away with not preparing, uh, to keep it short, but um, I'll, I'll let you handle it. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think that that's sort of just, it's like almost politician talk, you know? That uh, he's he's trying to say we prepare for everything, right? We're, we're preparing for for Sam Darnold to step in and you know like <laughs> another different team, right? Like no, he's he's like we're prepared for anything is basically what he's he's trying to get at. With that said, um, last year when we started Nick Foles, we did see kind of an interesting look 
unfortunately, it turned out disastrous on that one play. But Mitchell Trubisky came out and took kind of like a QB sneak style uh, or a quarterback option, and he and he ran out to the left. He ended up busting his shoulder and like dislocated it on a single play, which was embarrassing. But but it shows that Nagy is not afraid to switch out quarterbacks in the middle of a game, and given you know the obvious confidence in Fields' ability. Uh, I I could see a couple plays where Fields makes his way out onto the onto the field. That would be super exciting, and I'm sure the arena would absolutely erupt. But uh, I don't think we should expect it. I think, given the issues on the off you know offensive line, this being week one, uh, you know we haven't seen either of these quarterbacks in an NFL game this season. There's a lot of unknown variables, and I I think that. Nagy's going to play pretty conservatively, considering uh, opposite our our quarterback is a man named Aaron Donald. <laughs> I, you know what? And it just kind of popped in my head as you were saying it. And I was reading out the question that maybe that's what he's bringing up is, hey, maybe there's a chance that we see Justin Fields out there for four snaps or something like that and kind of just offshoot plays and different packages to confuse the defense. And I suppose there's a chance of that. Uh, and I think that what prevents me from even saying that with full confidence, though, is like I feel like situationally where I'd put Justin Fields on the field would just not be a good look for like taking him out and being like, hey, Fields could do like a rollout bootleg play where he's got the option to either run it in or throw it into the flat on the goal line. But is that the message that you want to send to Dalton is, hey, we're going to take the ball out of your hands where it counts the most? It's just it's such a complex situation. I don't know how deep Nagy is thinking about it, if it's purely just a player personnel package decision for him and it doesn't matter or what. Um, we'll see, though. I guess there is a chance. I didn't really even take into account that that could happen, but you know, maybe we'll see a wildcat or even just a play where... I was just going to yeah. say, like like a two-quarterback you know, right. setup, I think would be more likely than just a swap, Yeah, right, where you get both of them out there. I, I think it's probably like even, even potential because wildcat means we're just going to run them. And like you said, behind that offensive line, maybe we don't need to throw them into the fray and give them any unnecessary hits. At the same time, it's something that this Bears team could, could definitely do. Like you said, we, we've seen it before. So maybe there is a chance that Fields enters the game and maybe McVay's not being so stupid, but at least for the majority of the game, I don't think he needs to be creating a whole Justin Fields game plan and a whole Dalton game plan. And uh, I think we can leave it at that. But, um, yeah. yeah, matchups to watch for in this coming game. And I think this is where it really where it gets interesting and maybe equally concerning. Um, Aaron Donald and the interior offensive line. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start out with that one. I think that at least Donald is not primarily someone that's playing end or, um, you know, that edge rushing outside linebacker position because against the tackles it would be devastating. At the same time, if he's able to push around our interior offensive line, which is the strength of our offensive line, which is I think is the serviceable and good part of our offensive line, We'll see what happens. Of course, James Daniels kind of has a little bit of a rap sheet when he has played against Aaron Donald, has done a remarkable job um, blocking against him, considering that James Daniels is is very small and Aaron Donald is huge, uh, especially compared to someone like James Daniels. I think this matchup could still be very troublesome. I think that the 
basically the pass rush that the Rams can bring in general will be very troublesome. I'm just at least happy that it's not necessarily an Aaron Donald versus our tackles matchup. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's I was going to say the only saving grace is that he's going to be facing our our inside line or you know offensive lineman uh which I feel a little bit more confident about. Um I think I think Cody Witter actually is also somebody who is a little bit underappreciated. Um I saw something that like Power or uh, Pro Football Focus PFF had ranked him in like top 10 offensive linemen or something like okay. he's just I, partially because of his versatility uh his his rating was was one of the highest of any offensive lineman i thought that was super encouraging and and finally like the the first statistical evidence that backs up the eye test which is that this guy is a total stud on on the offensive line he's he's moved around everywhere and yet i never really see him having these massive you know mess ups that uh that can really hurt the team at least consistently james daniels obviously is also really good um and sam mustafer seemed to be a pretty serviceable center last last season um but yeah our tackles are scary and if aaron donald is taking up you know two or three of our linemen's focus then there's then there's concern that the the tackles will be overwhelmed on their one-on-one matchups or or maybe two-on-one and uh, it, it, it looks like, I mean, the Rams' defense is legit. And Aaron Donald is an MVP-type player. Uh, and, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, what a, what a friggin' week one matchup <laughs> for, for our weakest position to face their strongest position, you know? Yeah. Um, it could be a, it, honestly, it could be a bloodbath. It, it could also prove, best case scenario here is that, we see the red rocket come out and uh, and show that actually his you know his IQ, his veteran IQ means he, he knows how to get the ball out quick. Maybe we dink and dunk, but we move downfield and we avoid we avoid multiple sacks or maybe any sacks. That would be that would be. I, I think Andy Dalton could solidify his starting position by not even winning the game, but just showing that he's not going to get butchered by a good defense. Yeah. Um, I would love to see him go out there, and and despite the fact I I think we're gonna lose this game, guys. Yeah, I, I don't agree. think we're gonna come out here and and kick the Rams' ass. You know, especially now that they got uh, Stafford Stafford playing for him. I just think their quarterback play is gonna be pretty elite. Their defense is more than elite. Um, you know, we're still rusty. We're still kind of trying to work some of the kinks out. It would be great if somehow we pulled out a W. But I I more than that, I'm just hoping to see us not get slaughtered on the offense, right? Just just show that we can hang we can hang in there. Yeah, and you brought up one that I don't even have listed out here, and that's a veteran quarterback and Matthew Stafford against the our safeties aren't young, but the young corners that we have. So right. that's one thing to watch out for as well. Um again on the offensive side of the ball, Darnell Mooney on Jalen Ramsey. Surely gonna be a really good matchup. I'd say the one kind of saving grace for this is how shifty Mooney is. I mean, it's just always going to create a matchup problem. Um, I can't recall. I've watched a lot of Keenan Allen. I can't remember if he's done really well against Jalen Ramsey or not in the past, but I remember it kind of being a matchup that gave Jalen Ramsey issues, if I'm recalling correctly. So I could see someone like Mooney, who's not a Keenan Allen, but has kind of a similar skill set, could really cause some issues with Jalen Ramsey. And I'm not too scared about Jalen Ramsey completely locking him down, to be honest. 
No, I, I, Moody's speed is is impressive. I mean, da- downfield he's going to be he's going to be pushing the tempo constantly and and really pushing corners to to their to their limit. Um, I, I mentioned this last week. I think our wide receiver room is studly. I mean, I, I don't even think you need much depth at it to just be, you know, high high efficiency. So there's there's a chance that if Dalton can can start slinging it that they're gonna be they're gonna have to you know back people up and really spread coverage out because uh, uh, if we can prove that we are finally after half a decade or more <laughs> of being non deep threats right that if we can actually show we are a deep threat offense then then it might open open up some other you know running lanes we might see Montgomery have a big game uh, because we're threatening the deep ball with with Mooney and and uh, Allen Robinson. I'm hoping for that. I would love I'm man, I'm so excited about Sunday. Yeah. I would love to see that. Absolutely. More than 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 even a win. I just want to see us transform the offense, you know. Gone is Mitchell Trubisky, in is Dalton and Fields. I want to see some creativity. I I don't want to see the same shit from Nagy. Um it, you know, it's time Can't to, say it to show myself. change. <laughs> yeah. yeah, please throw the deep ball. Like, oh, please. Just throw it. Yeah, let me see it. Take a couple shots deep this game, please. At the very least. You will be forgiven. Back the safeties off. So then we do, when we do go to run the ball, which is another thing, like, you know, sometimes this Bears team will commit to it, will actually give, you know, Montgomery 15-plus carries, and then some games we, we forget that he's on the team. Um, so hopefully that's not one of these games. But, yeah. You know, if we get the deep ball to work, you know, then we open up something called play action, which is great. We can use that, too, and hopefully <laughs> run the ball as soon as the safeties are up and out of the box. So, yeah, that, that's a huge point that you make there. Um, something that I think is a complete untapped resource of this team. Because, I mean, you know, so much of what we've seen, it's, it's so unused for Allen Robinson, too. I mean, we have two decent deep threats on this team you know, instead of throwing Robinson the ball on a 10-yard slant, let's get it to him, you know, at least 15-plus yards out. You know, that would be great. And and one other matchup that we're really kind of scoping out and probably maybe the most positive one to go through yet, Khalil Mack on a 39-year-old Andrew Whitworth at that tackle position. Uh, this is one that hopefully, and, and one thing that could really shift the game, Matthew Stafford not a complete statue, but not a super mobile guy. If we can get a consistent pass rush in this game, that's going to keep the game right where the Bears want it to be and, and actually give them a chance at winning. Uh, I think without question, the defense has to have one of their best games of the season week one um, to really give the Bears a shot at, at pulling through this. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't have said it much better. Um Hopefully Khalil Mack bullies him. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I want to see Khalil Mack looking looking healthy and attacking like we saw. Uh, do you? I mean, God, do you remember? And even for the the listeners here, when we traded for Khalil Mack, he didn't play uh, week one, I think, or he came in halfway through the game. That might have been. It. He came in. He came in like first quarter, but I just remember the first he, I, I series it was against he came the Packers, out. and he played very very well. So he came, he came out and like play. It was, I think it was the Packers. It was like play after play was so disruptive 
I, I had never really seen anything like it. I mean, I'm not that old. I'm 26 years old, so I forgive me for not watching the 85 Bears. But <laughs> it was so unbelievably impressive to watch. And that whole year, he was just unlike on any fire. defensive player yeah. I've watched. On, just on fire. I mean, he, he was in the conversation for MVP. And admittedly, we've never seen another year like that. No. I mean, after that year, he just... It was injuries, and and you know he had to he had to take he wasn't practicing as much. He had to constantly mend himself. This year, I'm just praying to any and all gods above. <laughs> we get we get a year that looks like that that first year with the Bears. I, I and and week one, there is no better time to show out than week one. Set the tone. Uh, and, and just show what you're about this year. And I, I hope, I hope he looks healthy. He's once again, he's he's back on the injury list. It's apparently it's minor, but it's. Uh, I'm just so worried, man. I'm so sick of these injuries. It's worth noting that it was a prime time game. I can't remember if it was a Sunday night. I don't think they opened up the season with it. I believe it was a Sunday night game. Um, they're playing the Packers, and he had a, a monster game. Um, forced fumbles. I believe may or right. may or may not have maybe knocked out Aaron Rodgers for a series or two. I feel like he probably did until like halftime towards the end of the second quarter, just a, a absolute monster career kind of game. And yeah, they need a performance like that this week that will keep the bears in this game. I mean, if he's able to cause disruption and get the bears, the ball in favorable field position, that's going to increase the Bears' chances so much because I don't know how confident I feel about the Bears driving the ball downfield 75 yards consistently. But you give the Bears, you know, 30, 40 yards on the positive side of midfield, man, it's going to be a lot easier sledding for them. And, you know, at the very least, the Bears love to kick some field goals. Cairo Santos loves to push them through the uprights. So maybe maybe it'll be a big game for Cairo Santos' fantasy owners. (laughs) But overall, I think one of the final things that we got to hear here before we get to our score prediction, which it seems like we're both already chalking them up for an L. Sorry for ruining the surprise. But Jason Peters, left tackle for the Chicago Bears, which would be exciting like in 2011, maybe 2013. We're in 2021. Um, Hell, maybe even 2015. But now we're about six, seven years on from that. What's the best that we can expect from him, and what do you think we're actually going to get? Ideally, in a in a perfect world, he plays the whole game. Um, at a moderate level, <laughs> uh, yeah, right, like not Pro Bowl. Just he can play the whole game, and he plays well. In a in a real world, he'll probably play about 75% of the snaps and he'll be pretty rusty. Um uh with that said, hopefully he he at least can protect the he doesn't look like um uh like a liability, right? Yeah. That he he looks like somebody who still is a veteran, still has has some strength and and some um some ability. Worst case scenario, is that he looks like he's 39 and that he's not played football in years and that he gets absolutely run over 
and they pull him out after like a quarter. Um, that could happen. Yeah. I think that we're probably looking at somewhere between worst case scenario and real world. Bold call there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think a man who's going to turn 40 this season realistically can be expected to play, uh, a full a full four quarters, um, and and also play it at an elite level like we're we're asking him to, um, especially at the left tackle position. Right, it's not even right tackle; he's left tackle. Yeah. So he's he's got he's his got work the blind side protected. Boy, boy. So I for for Andy Dalton's sake, I hope it's the former of these three options. But um, maybe Dalton can learn to throw at the left hand. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe that was his big surprise to come up. He's going to be a a switch thrower, and that way Peters isn't protecting the blind side. You bring up a huge point, though. Like, it's honestly a decent expectation to be like, it's a good game if he makes it through the whole thing. I think so. Which it seems like that's a lot. It seems like like an astoundingly low, (laughs) like, bar to set. But this is a man that has not played football in, like you said, a, a little while. And. We're throwing him right into the fray. I mean, we're not throwing him in here against, I don't know. I can't think of a, a really shit defense. I guess maybe like where the Titans are at right now. Like, they're not a great defense. Yeah, um, sure. Someone like it's that. not like we're throwing him in against the Titans. We're playing the Rams, which, you know, maybe, you know, through the whole front seven, not the best in the league, but have, you know, a consistent defensive player of the year winner, which luckily Peterson is going to be lined up against. But, man, it's going to be a tough, tough task to ask him to go out there and play hard and play well for all four, four quarters. So, yeah, I guess if we get four quarters of a reasonable Jason Peters, we're both going to walk away pretty happy and probably still upset that he's not the player he used to be. But what can we expect? Yeah. Uh, I mean, a top. I think Rams are top five defensively. Got my phone. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Sorry about that, listeners. Um yeah, I think the Rams. I think the Rams are a top five defense, and yeah, he's just. I mean, he's really, really got his work cut out for him. Um, I'm, I'm praying for him, and us. Yeah, I, I'm. It's it's a, it's a long shot to really get a a good performance from him. But overall, throw your score out there. Give a little bit of a rationale. I want to hear it. What what's going through your mind? I actually think that this game, I, I, we've already said, surprise, surprise, uh, I think the Bears are going to take a week one L. With that said, I think this game is going to be a little bit tighter than than maybe some others are thinking um, one way or another. I think if I was just throwing a score out there, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think that this is two elite defenses uh, facing off, and it's going to be kind of a battle of the trenches. There might be some deep ball. I hope there's some deep ball action, at least on our our side. But I, I could see a final score of something conservative, like seventeen to twenty-one. Okay. Um, I think it's gonna be a, you know a four-point game, a, one touchdown type game. I don't think it's gonna be a blowout on either side. Uh, but yeah, I think that this is gonna be a game that's fought and won by by both defenses. History tells you from. Nagy McVeigh matchups. This is gonna be a brutal and possibly very ugly to watch game. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, most yep. Bears Rams matchups in the recent past, and granted, two different quarterbacks this time. 
Andy Dalton, and now Matthew Stafford compared to Trubisky and, and Jared Goff, which could potentially make a a, a reasonable size difference, I think, especially for the Rams. But still, games are ugly, like you said, controlled by defenses. So I think breaking 30 for either team, my first instinct was I was like, I could see the Rams hanging like 31. You know, I could see it. But then, like you said, you really got to temper your expectations back. I think the Rams could go for, I'm stuck between a 24 and a 27 call. Uh, I I think I'll stick with 27, not just to, to cater down too much to you. So I'll go Rams 27 and... And we'll give the Bears a healthy, healthy 17. And I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout kind of 10-point loss. I, I think it'll actually be a close game. Um, so I'm not trying to pick a double-digit win to be like, oh, the Bears are going to be blown out of here. I, I think for probably the majority of three quarters heading into the fourth quarter, this is going to be a game that's going to be one possession all the way through. And, and you know, maybe the Rams kick a, a late field goal to really kind of seal the deal over the Bears and, and put it out of touch. But... It could easily be in the low 20s, like you said. Would not surprise me at all. I think that Stafford and this Rams offense will click. But still a tough task for him against this Bears defense. He's not picking apart some slouches. This is still a top 10 defense. And, uh, yeah, I could see him struggling possibly. Maybe even a turnover, a couple turnovers would be excellent. Just for context here. The last time the Bears beat the Rams, if you guys remember all the way back in 2018, yeah. the final score was 15-6. to six. Yes, and I believe there were about six or seven interceptions thrown in that game or something like that. It was yeah, it, ugly. It was ugly. I mean, when you said the McVay-Nagy, yeah, ugly. Just ugly, brutal, painful games. We'll be lucky to break um, the 20s, honestly. <laughs> right, right. I mean, like, if either of these teams breaks 20, it's, relatively speaking, a very high-scoring affair. Um, so expect this to be a defense-oriented game for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, no matter what, it's going to be great for the Bears to step out there week one of the season. Hopefully they don't get absolutely destroyed where our excitement for the season completely goes out to the window. I don't think a win needs to happen to still be excited for this team. I'm in agreement with you there. I think some positive steps forward. I think, honestly, if we just see some some good play calling that's right for this offense and start to really see some chemistry and, and, and melding and and everything there, it'll be a very, a very good game for me, and I'll be happy walking away from it as a fan. So... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great, and we're going to be right back here to, to break down everything and, and dissect every little part of the game and take apart what we can of it and and then get you guys ready for, for week two um, with the Bengals. I mean, we're finally here, and uh, yeah, we're just looking completely upward. 17 games this year. I mean, it's even longer, but hey, nothing nothing wrong with some more football. Any parting thoughts, Zach? Anything that you feel like you need to get out there? No, man, I, I'm just, I, I'm so excited for Sunday. I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch the game tonight, you know, Bucks, Cowboys, and then on Sunday I'm I'm picking three games, or, you know, Bears included. I'm going to watch yep. every one of them, and I, I can't wait to just rewatch week one and study it and try and look at every position. I'm going to try and record the game somehow and, and just and just rewatch it over and over. So when we come back next week, we're going to have some, uh, some real good breakdowns of what we saw. So I hope you guys tune in next week and uh, and check out the next cast. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's practically a, uh, a national holiday and yeah, we'll, we'll leave <laughs> you guys with that. Bear down. Bear down. Hey. Oh yeah. Oh, still recording. <laughs>